Welcome back to the Forgotten Lakers podcast. We're here tonight with a member of the 2001 NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers, Mike Penberthy. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for thanks for having me. It's good to be on your show. Oh, no, thank you. This is a huge thrill for me. Uh, let's start with what you're doing now. Like while we were setting up this call, you shared your coaching with the New Orleans Pelicans, which that was the first I'd heard that you were with the Pelicans now. So how'd that come about? Yeah, I've been... Uh been talking with the Pelicans for a number of years. Um, I've been working. I've been working on NBA players on a private level, probably ten to fifteen players a day in the summer and the off season. So I've been really busy with that. I don't do a ton of social media. I'm not interested in, in self promotion. I'm, I'm more interested in how good the players get. So I had about ten to fifteen players a day for the last seven years, and so I've gotten to know a number of the GMs and coaches around the league, the players I've worked with, and I've been working with Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, for about four years so uh the pelicans you know been trying to get me on for a couple of years and this year it just worked out that it was the best opportunity cool i actually went to college in new orleans uh but they were the hornets then so i used to go to all, a lot of their games every year so it's a fun city fun team right. and you were coaching with minnesota a couple of years ago is that correct yeah i got on there um i started with chase budinger mm-hmm and uh, it turned into Ricky Rubio, and then it's turned into Wiggins and Levine and other guys beyond that. But that's how I started with Rubio. Um, originally, I was I was doing more just shooting, and I started I actually started teaching players how to shoot when I was when I was sixteen. That was my first client. So I've I've been teaching shooting now for quite a while. So it started with just being a shooting coach, and then I started to realize you know there's there's so much more to the game that I can offer these guys because I wasn't just a shooter, although that was my primary role with mm-hmm. the Lakers who well, I went on to play, you know, seven years after the Lakers and it was more scoring point guard or Steve Nash and Steve Kerr. Um, yeah. So I was doing a lot more, a lot more uh, pick and roll. I mean, a ton of pick and rolls every game. And so that was something I wasn't able to show with the Lakers, but that was the job. The job was to be a shooter. And so I got to, I've gotten a chance now to pass that on to players. And so that's where my role with the Pelicans are is more on the director of player development on the floor. Uh, on court, um, you know, really trying to get players better um, and and as an assistant coach. So I actually have one of your basketball cards right in front of me. I sent it to you a few years ago and you signed it and returned it. So that was really nice. Thank you. Um, no problem. But uh, it talks about, you know, a graduate of Masters College, Mike failed 12 NBA tryouts over three years. Can you describe what that experience was like? If you, I guess you were going to either you know, summer league or mini camps or how did that work out for you? Yeah. I mean, teams wanted to, it was kind of like they you love, they love you or they hate you. That's kind of how it was for me. There was a lot of uncertainty about me. So when I got hurt coming out, I got hurt. Actually, I tore my hamstring in, in camp with, with the Pacers, you know, from that point on, I was just trying out with teams and everybody was kind of like, well, see if it's any good. So I would go to these these bogus tryouts and it was but NBA guys were there, but it was like with a bunch of really bad players. So, well, I was a complimentary level player at the NBA level. You know, I wasn't in Europe. I was MVP and league score and things like that, but I wasn't an all, I was an all-star over there, but I wasn't an all-star level player in the NBA. I was complimentary. So I wasn't going to go in and like dominate a workout and look like an amazing player because it just wasn't my level of play or my skill set. So, you go into these teams and work out and I'd have to, you know, try to be, try to be Kobe. Like I'd turn into like a killer at these workouts just to get noticed. I'm like, sure. This is not my role. That's not a role that I'm going to do in the NBA. So this is a kind of a waste of time. So 
I went to a number of them. I thought I did really well. But in those workouts, what I've learned now even more as a coach is that you got to wow them. And I did when I went in for the Lakers, but the other ones, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, the, the same kind of uh, aggressive play that I needed to have. So in that workout with the Lakers, who was there watching? Was it Phil Jackson, Mitch Kupchak, both of them? Who did you wow? You know, the, the first time it was Tex Winters because we played my, my summer league team played just before the Lakers. So they were coming in to play their game and the coaches were there watching me finish a game. And then it was Mitch Kupchak. He came and actually watched me at Vanguard university, just play pickup. Oh, wow. And, um, and so I knew he was coming. And so, you know, he knew, he knew I knew I was coming. So there was, there was some pressure involved in that and he was coming to watch me. Um, but I played well. Yeah. I mean, I, I did, I played the way I am, you know, and that, that was he saw me he knew I was capable of playing the NBA so then it became do I fit into a role you know because I wasn't going to be the guy I tried out and how I showed I could play you know there was a job available there was a role available and so I had to fit that so there was some discussion about that and whether or not I could do it because like I said I'm I would love to play more pick and roll I'd love mm-hmm. to play more in transition I'd love to have more of a driving kick flow but he's there was a very system and it was like shoot threes or don't shoot anything you know yeah. so <laughs> That I was more of a scoring shooter, not just a pure shooter. Um, sure. So it's a different kind of mentality there. So I wasn't going to get free throws to help my rhythm. I wasn't going to get layups to help my rhythm. I was going to get threes, and that's it. So there was some discussion with that, and they, they saw me. And then I went to a – there was about a 20-man a tryout, and I was the only one picked. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Kupchak said to me, look, yeah, just before training camp, so like a mini yeah. camp. And um, – that I got to that finally. So they, I think they had watched me three times before I had gotten to that. And then there I had to, there was a three day mini camp and I was the only one chosen. Mm-hmm. I remember Mitch saying, you know what? You've earned it. Enjoy your week here at camp. So I was uh, just a body, you know, I yeah. wasn't even a, I knew at that point, like, okay, I'm going to save all my real money. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. like, like Panda Express every night. Cause I didn't want to spend any money. And so, uh-huh. I mean, I was saving it. I was living in a one-bedroom apartment. I had the car that my wife had. She was pregnant, and she told me that after the mini camp. So I'm going to the training camp, knowing all this stuff. And I got, you know, seven hundred bucks to my name. You know, so I'm yeah. I'm literally just scrounging. And before all this happened in the summer, I just said to my wife, like, this is my last time. I'm doing this. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. If I don't make the Lakers, I'm done. Mm-hmm. So I'm quitting. Because I was just, like you said, 12 times a try with you. You'll yep. make it. And you're just like, hey, what, what am I doing this for? So so I went for it. I mean, when I went in there, it was it was guns blazing. And I was going to let it ride. But, but yeah, my everything everything was kind of coming to that training camp, you know, head. And, and I basically had a week to show that I could play. So that season, like I mentioned at the start, was the 2000-2001 season. Uh, the Lakers were coming off the first of three consecutive NBA championships. And compared to the previous year when they kind of, you know, dominated the regular season and won the title, y'all kind of got off to a rocky start, you know, relatively for, you know, a defending champion. Um, Yeah. And obviously you've probably been asked about this a million times, but the friction at the beginning of the season between Kobe and Shaq was kind of coming to a head in terms of interviews they're giving in public and, you know, it was on ESPN every night on NBA and NBC at that time was talking about it every weekend was there ever a point where you thought that was going to torpedo the season or did you think it was, they were going to work it out and y'all were going to be a contender? 
Yeah, I mean, there's two dynamics in, within that locker room at the time, and the, the team dynamic. I thought we were strong enough to withhold the that you know that kind of problem, you know, because we had a lot of veterans. So mm-hmm. we had veteran players. I was in my third year, so I had already played two years in Europe. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't a rookie rookie. Uh, we had Medvedenko, who didn't say much and didn't have much influence. And we had Mark Madsen was a team guy as a rookie. So yeah, rookie, yeah. everybody else was Ron Harper, Tyron Liu, Derek Fisher, uh, Brian Shaw. You know, that, that's your guard core with me. So we got yeah. a lot of older players there and a number of coaches now, if you think about it, you know, that are on the NBA team. So pretty, pretty incredible if you think about that. So our practices were very focused and serious. You had Rick Fox, Robert Ory, um, Horace Grant, Greg Foster. Mm-hmm. You're talking about all vets. So yeah. we we could handle any kind of you know turmoil mm-hmm. because the boat wasn't gonna wasn't gonna even rock. I mean, it didn't mm-hmm. bother us one bit. We knew they didn't like each other. We knew there was some frustration there. We understood it. Mm-hmm. That's gonna happen. This is part of the being with two. I mean, mega stars. Not even. Not even. You know, regular stars. These are like world famous players. It's not like Jordan and Pippen. This is totally different. This is two world famous entities, and so I I think that sometimes gets you know, you know downplayed because it wasn't like these guys were just all stars. These guys were big time players and big time, you know, uh, big time fame. I mean, it was crazy traveling with them. But in terms of the locker room, like the locker room was just was pretty stable. None of us were really phased by it. We didn't read. We just kind of laughed at everything. You know, mm-hmm. they took it out on, you know, other people sometimes. And, you know, we had to stand up to Kobe sometimes in practice because he would take it out on us. Or Shaq would take it out on the big guys. And, you know, we'd, they'd have to stand up. So, you know, there was, there was times when they tried to it – it, it tried to permeate. But our, but our locker room was too strong, and our ability to execute the offense was way too strong. I mean, it was the best executing offense that Phil Jackson has ever coached. And he says mm-hmm. that. He said that a number of times. Yep. And – it was because we had veterans that were willing to just play their, do their jobs. And we had people that knew how to run that offense really well. And so Kobe and Shaq were all, always going to get the ball. It wasn't, we weren't, we weren't trying to run away from that. We wanted them to shoot shots. We wanted them to average 28 a game. I mean, it was necessary for us to win, but um, we, we weren't at all deterred by their term, you know, their, their kind of volatile relationship. And then uh, you'll remember this towards the end of that year, Kobe had an injury. I don't remember how many games he missed. It was yeah, almost a month, I think. Oh, okay. And during that time, y'all had a great record. And, you know, you were moving the ball, winning big games on the road and gaining momentum. Yeah. And he kind of came back and there was a noticeable change, at least it's what it seemed like from a fan perspective in terms of his yeah. joy on the court and kind of playing more of a team first concept and is that when the momentum started building towards that you know incredible playoff run y'all had yeah i would say when kobe left he got to see our team we i don't think we lost to be honest with when he was out so i Mm -hmm. think i think that was when he realized like okay this team's really good and they they don't really need me but we wanted him you know like yeah we don't need him to be really good it would have been some dog fights in the playoffs Mm-hmm. But with him on board, made us by far the best team in the NBA at that time. So it wasn't even close. I mean, we mm-hmm. swept everybody, and and if it hadn't have been for the ten day layoff, we probably would have swept Philly as well. But yeah, yeah, I think Kobe saw. I think so. Kobe saw our team and saw us function and enjoy being together and just enjoying the flow of the game with one another. Mm-hmm. That was the joy. Was that there was no speed bumps. There was no. 
um, unnecessary ego or pride um, mm-hmm. within that team at that time. We had really clicked. We started to turn up our defense, come around that March 1st time, and started actually talking about defense a little bit more. So, you know, Frank Hamlin, Jim Clemens. Frank Hamlin, Jim Clemens, Tex winners are I mean, amazing assistant coaches. I learned so much from them. Mm-hmm. And then Phil Jackson, great leader. So at that moment, really kind of, we not only pushed our balance and execution on offense, but then that also turned made us better defensively in balance and execution as well. So, mm. you know, you actually played in the very first Laker game I ever attended. Uh, I remember vividly. <laughs> like, I, uh, like I've been a lifelong Lakers fan growing up in the Dallas area. And I remember one year, my dad just early Christmas present handed me an envelope. For a, it was like late December Lakers Mavericks game. I remember 2000. It would have been yeah December yeah. 2000. Remember yeah. you hitting like three or four threes that game. Yeah, y'all had a big lead, and I remember Hubert Davis tying it with a late three, and y'all pulled it out at the end. Yeah, yeah. So what are some other? I mean, do you have a lot of memories from like specific memories from your season with the Lakers, like specific games? Specific yeah, I remember that. The interesting story about that is that that day Phil told me right before the game that I was back playing with the team because I took a couple games off. Mm-hmm. And there's a backstory behind that that I actually can't share. But there's, okay. I, I took some, I took about a five games off. I had to, I had to sit on the on the injury reserve man. Um, so I, I came back that night, and I did. I wasn't told until like four thirty in the afternoon that I was gonna play. So I get to the arena, and he's like, "Okay, well, you ready to go?" And I'm like, "I'm ready to go." Like, what do you mean? And he's like, "I'm gonna play tonight." And I was like, "The heck, uh, yeah, coach, I'm good. I'm good to go." Yeah. So, I flipped the switch and yeah, I hit. I think I hit three in a well, three in the second quarter. Uh-huh. Um, when when I think Kobe went out, I would come in and then Shaq. We get a lot of post ups for Shaq, mm-hmm. so I would get a lot of looks at that time. And so I knocked a couple down. And Nash left me a bunch of times, and I hit three in the bit before that game. But yeah, I hit. A, I had games, you know, on the road. I played a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the road games more. I always have played a little more of an edge, and and the ball seems to move better on the road. Our team pass the ball better there wasn't as much guys trying to make shots you know like they do at home sometimes so yeah we functioned better I had a great game at San Antonio I had a great game I had one good game at home against um, Milwaukee mm-hmm. um, but yeah I remember games you know playing against these I mean just phenomenal players um, I didn't play a lot against Eastern Conference teams that was more Brian Shaw we alternated because Eastern Conference had bigger point guards so mm-hmm. Phil was big on matchups, you know, with the smaller guards. I guarded John Stockton. I remember playing there. I played well, actually, in Utah against Stockton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I played against Stockton. I played against Jason Williams. I played against Stephen Marbury, um, Bobby Jackson, Steve Nash. I mean, I mean, some fantastic guards, Jason Kidd. But as it got, the big guards got bigger, you know, that was where, you know, Jalen Rose and stuff like that. Brian Shaw would go play. You know, Eastern Conference teams seemed to have bigger guards at that time. So, Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times on the East Coast, I just kind of think I'd just be chilling because <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't get in. But we knew it, and that that was part of just being a professional. Just saying, okay, this is how it goes, and you know, I'll be ready tomorrow. So it's it's kind of a nice. Uh, it's actually kind of nice. Now I was doing a little bit of prep work for this, just you know, reading on your background and masters and your tryouts and everything, and I came across a story of when you were on your way to practice following Ron Harper one day, <laughs> and uh, I'll probably let you take it from there if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was on my way to practice. We had a shoot around at the, at the gym uh, at at Staples Center, and um, so it was the LA Marathon. 
Mm-hmm. So whatever date the marathon is, that, that's that's what happened. So I, I'm driving to the gym, and Harp's in front of me. And Harp and I are really good friends, and we played a lot of golf together uh, on the road. And um, I, you know, he he knew I was the office. We talked quite a bit. He was he helped a lot. Some great stories with him. But so I'm I'm following him, and he comes to like a roadblock where it's blocked off to get in. It's right across the street from Staples. Well, I'm driving an Acura. Now, it's a nice Acura, and I, I was thankful for it. It was a beautiful car, but it's a Range Rover. So he looks like an NBA player. Yeah. You know, he's got all, all the, all the, you know what I mean? Like, he just looks he's big, he's tall, you know, he's athletic, African-American looking. I mean, he's got all this, the Range Rover. You know, I'm driving an Africa, a little white guy. Yeah. And I don't have any, I have no idea on me either. Like, what am I supposed to pull out my basketball card to show? Like, so they let me Weber through. He bar- pulls the barricade apart and closes the barricade and pulls the cop and says, hey, uh, how can I, wh- what are you doing, buddy? How can I help you? And I was like, well, I got practice. He goes, yeah, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do I, bud. Yeah, I'm on the Lakers. I'm on the Lakers, too. And I was like, no, I actually have practice in, you know, like 15 minutes. He's like, yeah, 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 whatever, bud. Just move on. <laughs> I was like, how do I, how do I get out of this? You know, I was really like, Gary V put me on speaker. So the whole coaching staff could hear, and I was like, they told me, I can't get in. They won't let me across the street. I'm, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go back home. I was ticked off. And I was frustrated because I was going to track the field. But like, he, he started laughing, like belly laughing. He thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing. And I was like, seriously, you're laughing at me, Pete? What's up with that? And he's like, uh, we'll see you at the game tonight, Mike. And I was like, man, that's messed up. Well, I played like 32 minutes that night. It didn't even bother him. He's like, whatever, that happened. So, oh, cool! One of the best things, one of the best things about Phil Jackson was, he, you know, life would happen and he would, he would laugh about it. But he never, he never took anything personal, and and he wanted you to be a professional on the court. And sometimes life happens, and you just got to get over it. So he was, he was cool. He didn't, even, he just laughed about it. They thought it was hilarious. I came to the game that night, and the whole staff was just cracking up with the biggest smile. They thought it was the funniest story ever. So yeah, it, it turned out to be a pretty good laugh. So. I think there's a similar story with Jeremy Lin, you know, uh, during his Lin Sanity days with the Knicks about not being let into a practice. So it's not you're you're the only one. (laughs) Like I was mentioning you earlier when we were talking about planning this, I talked to a couple other guys uh, like Tracy Murray, uh, Joe Crispin, and they all had incredible stories of just, you know, the type of teammate that Shaq was. Do you have any specific stories or memories of just how great of a teammate he was or anything that sticks out? Yeah, I, I remember I went to Portland. Uh, they told me I made the Lakers day we were leaving for Portland. So they, mm-hmm. we finished practice at 11. We went from 9 to 11. They called me to the office. It's D-Day. Like, you're making the team or not. So they, they said, Mike, we're going to keep you. But you look tired. And I said, yeah, I've been trying out with teams. I haven't taken a day off in two years. Like, I've been practicing, just getting ready. So he looks tired. Why don't you take five days? We'll, we'll put you on the injured reserve. And and just take a break, you know. And I said, okay, great. Um, they said, you're still going to come with us to Portland. That We're on our flight leaves at three. So I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm thinking to myself, shoot, I don't have any clothes. So I got nothing to wear. You know, I have no suit, nothing. So, I, and I don't have any money because I haven't been paid. But right, because the Lakers, you know, at the time they told me, we hadn't, I hadn't even actually been met on team yet. So yeah. I... I go up to Portland and I'm by, I have to go to like, you know, whatever it was gap. And I get some slacks and a jet and a coat and whatever. I go to Macy's and buy, I think it was just slacks, a shirt and a coat or something like that. So 
I get on there, I get that, and I come into this place, and, and they actually didn't let me on the court because I didn't have a suit on. Wow. They were like, who are you? Like, who are you? And I was like, <laughs> I'm on the team. And they were like, yeah, whatever, buddy. Go find your seat, right? And so I had to yell at Gary Vitti. Luckily, he was behind trailing the team. This is to go out to the floor to the game to start. Yeah. Right. Because I could get on the floor before because I had Lakers shirt on. Who's, who's the gym now? So let's, unless we're on the team. Well, the game's about to start. So anyway, I don't have a suit. I don't look like I'm on the team. All that to say, I get back on the bus. Phil grabs my arm and he says, "You don't have you don't have a suit." And I go, "Phil, I don't have any money. Like, well, I need to get paid first, and then I'll then I'll be able to buy some suits." He's like, "Tell you what, here's a card. It had his it said a thousand dollars." He said take this and, and go to my tailor and he'll get you a suit. And I said, okay, cool. And well, little did I know Phil had told Shaq, Hey, get the rookies. You know, Mike, Mike doesn't have any money in these suits. So Shaq comes to me and said, Hey, listen, tomorrow we're going out and we're going to buy some suits. And I said, all right, you know, well, I don't want anything from you. You know, it's okay. I'll, I'll be able to do it. He goes, no, 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 I got you. So Shaq took me, I finished practice, hop in his car. We drive and um, he buys me, he bought me six suits, and so he bought me six suits, a couple jackets. You know, he offered to buy me a car. I was walking to practice one day. He offered to buy me a car. I said, "I'm good." You know, I appreciate you. So he, he was nothing but 100% generosity, 100% all team. Told me numbers of a number of times, "Hey man, I need you to make some shots." It was never like, you know, I hope you just, you know. <laughs> I hope, I hope you just survive out there and I'm going to carry us. It was always like, I need you. You're, you're part of my team. I want you to play well. I need you to play well so it can be easy on me. Like he understood team and how to win. So it was, he was just a great guy. Oh, those stories are really cool to hear. Uh, he was my favorite player as a kid. So you know, like the Tracy Murray had great stories, Joe Crispin. So those are really cool. And then, um, yep. If I could go through some guys on the 2001 roster, you can give me, you know, just a sentence or two about them. I think that'd be a lot of fun for Lakers fans since that's one of the greatest teams sure. in history. Okay, Isaiah yeah. Ryder. Super talented. Uh, had a hard time remembering what to do in the triangle. <laughs> uh, Greg Foster. I mean, consummate professional, incredible shooter, fan, uh, one of the best assistant coaches in the NBA, and, and one of my good friends. Slava Medvedenko. He could dunk from the free throw line. That's Seriously? A good one. He really could. Yeah, I saw him dunk the free throw line one day after practice. <laughs> That's so cool. Kobe Bryant. Uh, ultra competitive, and I just I would say just one of the best shooting guards in the NBA history. Derek Fisher. Good player. He, he understood how to game the game, which is an interesting phrase. But, yeah, that, that's how I'll put it. And uh, one more, Robert Ory. Big shot, Rob. I mean, he just he made big shots. Great clutch player. Understood how to to patiently get himself ready for the for the playoffs. Like he never panicked. He was always he was always slowly getting better and by the time the playoffs came he was he was in at full strength. Cool, I enjoyed that. I know you got your season starting up with the Pelicans, so I don't want to take too much more of your time, but uh, I really appreciate this, Mike. Best of luck this season with New Orleans. Great meeting you. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks. Take care. Bye. No problem. See you.